Hi, and welcome to Mousebirds, your family vacation planning experts. Mousebirds is brought to you by the Tomorrowland Travel Authority Vacations Travel Agency. TTA Vacations specializes in helping you plan your Disney, Universal, and Cruise Line vacations. To take advantage of our free planning services, contact us at ttavacations at gmail.com. Our show hosts are your agents, so contact us to have us help plan your dream family vacation today. Hi, I'm Ron, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Laurel and Rachel. Hey, guys. Yo-ho, yo-ho, a pirate's life for me. Today, uh, we're going to be winding up our series on our kind of intro series to the uh, Disney World theme parks with our must-dos, etc. for Animal Kingdom. We're going to go through what we do in the morning, three must-do attractions, and then how we're going to eat through the day. So I'm going to start with my morning on this one because I think this part could be a little complex for planning on that. So most people are going to head straight to Flight of Passage. And I think this is a mistake unless you are really at the front of the early entry hotel guest line. If you're not really up front, it's kind of better to do Flight of Passage later in the day. Or, you know, if you could swing it, get the individual lightning lane. I would say your best choice is to either go to Navi River Journey or Kilimanjaro Safaris first, just kind of depending on your preference. Um, Navi River Journey doesn't seem like it would draw a big crowd, but it does because there's only a couple things in Pandora, uh, you know, the Avatar Land thing, uh, area. And it's a slow loading boat ride. It's a nice calming thing. So maybe. Your best bet is to go to Kilimanjaro Safaris first, unless it doesn't open with early entry. Sometimes that happens. But if the park is, if Kilimanjaro is open right when you get there, that would be my thing to head to first. Yeah. And circle back to Flight of Passage later in the afternoon because of the way this, this park's hours are usually a little shorter than the others. So people tend to park hop out at 2 p.m. and the crowds tend to die a decent amount here. So my morning is going to Kilimanjaro Safaris and then working my way around the parks uh, and trying to hit the shows more in the afternoon. Rachel, what about you? Well, okay. I mean, we, we all know me pretty well. So we all know that my number one thing on my mind when I walk into a theme park is where where's my coffee stop? So... To be really honest, Animal Kingdom, because of just the way that coffee is arranged at this park and the proximity of coffee to where I typically am headed once I get into the park, this may be a surprise, but my very first thing I'm doing is actually the Wilderness Explorers badge book. That's my very first <laughs> thing I must do. And that's because it really is right as you get into the park. And if you don't get it, before before you start wandering through the park, you won't have it to to the, get your badges. And you got to have your badges if you're going to be wandering through all the animal trails. And that's a must-do at Animal Kingdom. So you must have your Wilderness Explorers book. And you got to go through the, you know, the the whole process of, of becoming a Wilderness Explorer. And, and once you've done all that, then coffee. Uh, yeah. Well, a couple of things to hit on that. First of all, yes, I, I totally feel you on the coffee bit. Um, and I totally can understand why you would not want to miss out on going ahead and getting your badge system set up for doing your, your um, scavenger hunt, because I don't think there's a secondary location as you get deeper into the park. I think it's pretty much like right in that one section so if you miss it, you have to double back around. So you definitely kind of want to catch it right there for sure. So I can see strategically like why you'd want to go ahead and get that done. I mean, and and of course I'm a huge like up fan. So for me, that's that's like a one of the key features to this park for me. That's like a, an actual draw for me is because I get to go on the scavenger hunt and I kind of get to live a little piece of Russell. 
Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I get to, you know, go and experience that. And uh, the last time I did it, ironically, um, I only got like halfway done. I really didn't get to finish it because it, it's, it's a long, you it's a long really, process. <laughs> there's a you, lot to look you for. You really have to make that your day. You can't yeah, so really incorporate it throughout your day for sure. You, yeah. You can't try and do all the attractions and finish that because some of the rides like you just yeah i think you don't have time to wait through because you just kind of speak to somebody at the front or whatever yeah but it is super fun and there um this park obviously is like chock full of stuff for small kids but this is definitely a cute fun one because you can have that little keepsake booklet you can you know have an interactive experience with the kids um but yeah no totally i love and honestly like all adults of all ages or i should say children of all ages love this experience so yeah, super awesome experience. I'm actually not surprised that you have prioritized this, Rachel. <laughs> yes, this is totally me. I, I'm for me, I'm at the, I'm at a stage in my life where I really kind of am over like the rides, um, you know. But of course, when I get to my must dos list, I'll be completely contrary to what I just said. <laughs> uh, but like, but I mean, I, I guess for me, I'm just at this point in my life where going to Disney. It's really not about the rides. It's really more about the quality time and the experiences that I choose to to do and enjoy with myself or with my family and friends. And so I, I personally get more joy out of going on a scavenger hunt than I do going on the rides that I've done like, you know, a million times. So uh, and Rob, yeah. I'm going to piggyback some off of what you were explaining about the difference in choosing direction at this park, because there's different directions if you choose to go to towards uh, the, the safari or towards Pandora. Um, I can completely agree with you on your strategy, as long as you are not a family that is choosing to use your Animal Kingdom Day as a park hopping day. Um, or an early departure day, maybe you want to, you know, couple that with a pool day or something, right? Um, I think realistically, if you know for sure that, like, you definitely need to get Flight of Passage or Navi River or both in your day, and if you are rope dropping, you probably are going to want to go ahead and hustle and go ahead and get over there, especially if you're not doing Genie Plus or Lightning Lane, which, to be fair, you know, this particular park doesn't have as many of the crowds as we see nowadays at some of the other parks for most of the days during the year. So you probably are pretty safe to you know, yeah. pants it and not do Genie Plus. Maybe Lightning Lane, like you said. Yeah. But but you can probably safely do that. Now, I if you're doing Genie Plus or if you know you're doing a full day at this park, like you're not planning on leaving early unless, I don't know, intermittent weather or something then I would actually completely agree with you on the strategy behind heading towards the safari because, you know, it, 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 I guess it depends on the time of year, but let's be honest, most times of the year, it's pretty hot in Orlando. And if you try to go do the safari between like, let's assume, I don't know, 1030 to like 330, that's basically the hottest time of the day. And the animals are just not coming out as much. If you really want to get the best bang for your experience in terms of the safari, you want to have as many animals out there as possible. You've got to go in the morning or like maybe one of the last rides yeah. in the evening. Yeah, but I, I just want to emphasize if you're not like, if you are there at the very beginning of rope drop, right at 830 with all of the early entry guests or whenever it mm -hmm. is go to Flight of Passage. If you're there in the front... Yeah, you might and, as well. Right, but it builds up such a queue real quick that dies off mid-morning. Yeah. I think if you're if you're not there right away, you're better waiting even a few hours to go there. Yeah. Um, don't yeah. head to Dinosaur first, which, you know, I was at this park opening day, and that was the first thing I... I was there at, you know, 6 a.m. for the opening ceremonies and all that. And of course, the first thing I went to was Dinosaur because that was the big new thrill attraction. Well, they didn't have you no know, Pandora yet, obviously. They didn't have and Everest. They, did they have Everest? No, they didn't have Everest. They yet. didn't have the. They didn't even have the uh, boat ride, the uh, Cali River Rapids. Yeah, well. <laughs> so, like, it was that, and the safari were kind of it. And even on those opening day crowds, you were going to get pretty much all the attractions done just yeah, because yeah. a lot of people were off doing 
different things but yeah don't you don't need to go to dino land yeah right away even though it seems like a headliner kind of thing i mean it's, same yeah. thing with everest like everest could build a line but never but they, super they, huge. they have an excellent single rider line so and, not to say that that's for everybody but if it's an option for you like if you're baby swapping and things like that which often comes up for us single rider all the way just because that single rider line can typically go pretty quickly oh yeah even when the ride's an hour away, which is, you know, a, you know, which is kind of, I'd say near the top end for that one, unless you're there on a haul at like a Christmas day. Right, that's what I mean. Like most days of the year, yeah. It's a it's a fairly short uh, single rider, and that's what I tend to do because you'll go if if the rides. I know with you most of the time with coasters, you'll go if the line's short. You're not going to wait yeah. for a yeah. thrill ride most of the time. So I'll duck in. I think actually last time. We were there. You guys took the kids to see Festival of the Lion King. <laughs> yeah. And Casey and I went off and did a couple things like Dinosaur and Ever Single Rider while you were oh my gosh. doing that. Trying to sneak in a, a Festival of the Lion King showing before nap time. I question my choices as a parent all the time. That was a questionable choice. <laughs> we should that, not. Was, that was a challenge. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> out of the show they both plopped into their strollers and that was it they were done. yeah i mean i do remember that they fell asleep pretty immediately although uh, i do remember fitz being pretty uh impressed with the show but i mostly remember andy getting upset when like one that, of the one of the actors she uh, did not like the zebra character who kept trying to interact with her she was like no this isn't right Something's, i don't trust this <laughs> so this is yeah. You are you are you are a hybrid human zebra person. She is so <laughs> hot and cold on any kind of costume character. It's yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Like one minute she wants to see everybody. Like even when we were at Universal, it's like Poppy is one of her favorite things to watch the Trolls movies. Didn't want to do that, but like Hello Kitty is the same kind of costume, and mm-hmm. so it was like Gabby from Gabby's Dollhouse. They're not face characters. No problem there, but somehow Poppy. Oh yeah, but but you know who stole the show? Betty Boop. Yep. Betty Boop. So we should probably get to what I my strategy is for in the morning. Now, this is probably not going to be surprising to most. Um, but I'm gonna say this. You know, obviously we, you know, we did not grow up with this park the way we did nostalgically for other parks. So, you know, in terms of timing, this park is only 25 years old. I think you can all do the math. Uh wink wink. So you know, we were all, you know, preteens for the most part when this park came out. You, I was my, it was my senior year of high school. Yeah, I yeah. My, I went so, to the opening on my senior ditch day. So we, we were in junior high and, you know, and we probably didn't go until like a little, maybe a couple of years after the park first opened. So nostalgically, there isn't as much there for me at this particular park. But I will say this, I have grown to admire and enjoy this park in ways that I never thought I would if I were to have completely just gone by my first impressions. Um, There is an artistic beauty to this park that does not hold a candle to the other parks. There's just this ambiance there are these sounds there's these smells there's just there's just this physical experience at this park and with that said this is a perfect park for laurel to leisurely wander her way in through the park um i like to really just begin to sort of take in all of the experience there's so much foliage there are a couple of animal exhibits right there as you enter, like sort of getting closer to um, the Discovery Island area where uh, the Tree of Life is. There's like the awe-inspiring experience of just seeing the Tree of Life. It's unlike anything you've ever seen. And it is, I mean, yes, like, you know, Cinderella Castle is, you know, completely amazing, but the Tree of Life is just something totally unique. There's this music and, and, and a great picture spot, family photos. Oh, yeah, they always are ready for family special. photos there. Um, And there's like a special music loop over there. Again, it's just, like I said, there's just a lot of personal joy that I think a family can really experience if they just want to take in the ambiance. Um, with all of that, am I also going to follow the family wherever they go? Yep. They're probably going to text me because I'm probably lingering somewhere. 
at a shop trying on sunglasses or maybe I see, I don't know, a cast member with a big Mickey hand and I'm like waving at them and everyone's like, whoa, come on, we're heading to Kilimanjaro Safari. So I'm like, okay, that's me. Um, that's my morning. Oh, oh, and don't forget, um, just like any other park, um, the showtimes sometimes are subject to change or there might be seasonal things going on in terms of times. So it's always a good idea to jump right in and get a map with your show times. I usually, honestly, I'm like the one person in the family who like grabs a couple because that's just important for me. I want to make sure I know if there's been anything that's changed or canceled or something that I know so I can plan my day. Yeah, there's the three main shows. I forget what the bird show is called. It was Flights of Wonder. Then it was like the Up Bird Show. And now I have... I think it's Winged Encounters or is that yes. the one? No, no. It's that a, might be the a macaw show in front of the Tree of Life. Yeah. There, there is a nice bird show still. In fact, it actually gets really good reviews. A lot of people love it. Um, I mean, for me, I'm if I catch it, that's fine. But, you know, uh, it is... I actually, think it, we'll is, also start I think talking. it is still called Winged Encounters. Uh, okay. but No, I think Winged Encounters might be the one that's in front of... Oh, yes. That's what happens in front of the Tree of Life. Yeah, yeah. that's where, like, if you don't know that's coming out, yes. that could be a really freaky thing. Like, macaws just descend on yeah, we, that area. Like, a he- like two dozen yeah. large, you know, parrots just suddenly yes. swoop in. It could be freaky. We walked in in the middle of it, yeah. and we were like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> it's, a well, yeah, well, it's so magical. It's yeah. very magical because suddenly you just see a bunch of macaws and, and huge parrots flapping their wings and flying across the the tree of life right in front of you and you're like i've never seen anything like it before in my life it's it's really kind of amazing um I, yeah, I think that the bird show that you're talking about i think it is called uh like feathered friends in flight maybe yeah, that sounds yeah. right yeah actually i forgot one thing before we get to our must do's i forgot one thing that's part of my morning in this park that I started on our last trip and I'm going to keep up is rope dropping Dawa bar. Oh, <laughs> I was there. Waiting. We had fin- I think we had finished the safaris. We we're letting the kids kind of run around a little bit in, in Harambe and, you know, uh, large family bath and breaks can take 20, 30 minutes with the kids. <laughs> so I just sat there and waited and they have some great, great drinks. I think, People talk about drinking at Epcot, drinking at Animal Kingdom, I think totally. is a better, there's better options around everywhere. Uh, but since we're going, we wanted to start talking about your must-dos, I think, so. Okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and start my must-dos. So um, my first must-do for sure is going to be Kilimanjaro Safari. I will say this, um, the only people I would say maybe might not want to do it would be individuals who are like having physical issues with um, like car sickness and things like that, just because it is a pretty bumpy ride. But to me, I'm kind of like, this is what we came here for. Um, there, the <laughs> <laughs> I came here to see some animals. <laughs> and and uh, there's a lot of awesome things about the Kilimanjaro safaris, uh, which I will say like go Disney for coming up with some interesting things. Um, I really love the stroller and ECV like roll up process for this particular ride. Um, so they have you all walk through the rot, the, the queue with your strollers and your ECV. And then before you get to the section where they begin, um, the preparing for the loading, they then basically, you know, you do the handoff with your stroller and your bags and they have kept like cast members are taking care of all that. And then um, they also, in terms of ECV and such, they work through the process of validating like who needs to depart, who who can do the walking distance from there, et cetera. It's like a, it's a very casual and comfortable kind of experience as opposed to like the calamitous experience that you could, you know, see with the giant stroller drop off and all of that, like when everyone's running and trying to get to something. So it's just a really different kind of experience. Um, also in terms of the Kilimanjaro Safari, again, I really do prefer to do this ride early in the morning if possible. I do try to avoid it midday, but you know, you kind of have to fit it in where you can. I mean, it's a, it's an important ride and everybody loves it. Oh, and then my next must do is going to be 
uh, a Pandora ride. Now I'm pretty, I'm a pretty simple person in terms of needs. I don't have that many. Um, for me, if I get in Navi River Journey or Flights of Passage, Flight of Passage, I, I'm actually good. I, it's not that I don't need to, I want to do both, but if I can't do both, and I say this because sometimes Flight of Passage goes down, okay, be prepared. That is a very technologically complex experience. It does go down sometimes. I don't want your day to be ruined because you were in, it was on your must-do. So um, for me, if, as long as I get one of those in, I'm feeling pretty good. I feel like I've gotten my experience. Maybe, you know, I had an opportunity to go get a pangu, something at the pangu pangu, you know, that's the experience. And then for my third, it's going to be to see one of the live theater shows. Again, you know, I've already prioritized that I have to go get the show times to make sure I know exactly what the times are, what's available. Is there any crossover on times, which can happen a lot. Uh, I personally prefer the Nemo show myself, but I cannot deny the fact that the masses, the masses love the Lion King show. I think it's considered the number one ranked theater show at any of the parks. It was, I think for years, it dominated yeah. satisfaction surveys yeah. at like something like 95% people like that Yeah, show. yeah, for sure. It, there is something to the combination of interactive audience experiences along with all of the, of the different types of entertainment in that show. Um, so that it, it's got all the wow factors. Everybody loves it. I would totally. Well, and it's, it's so beautifully simple yet large and, and, um, humongous. <laughs> it just, uh, it, it's just very, it's just a very well-made show and it's an easy production for them to be able to do several times a day, just mm -hmm. because of the nature of the design of how the sets and everything work, oh. uh, and, and animatronics are fun like it's it's just it's a fun show it is it's a great it's kind of got a little bit of everything and i mean remember you do need to plan ahead for going to see the shows you probably need to prepare to be in line for at least 30 minutes unless you've gotten some kind of um you know genie plus pass or or you end up like us who walk in at the last minute because you're dragging kids who are crying uh, and wanting snacks and having and having uh, tantrums. And then we somehow magically sit on the front row again. <laughs> so, like, that happened to most people. <laughs> but this, this seems to happen a, a lot for us. <laughs> yeah, first or last shows are usually probably the best for some of these. I think when we ended up doing the Lion King show, we did their last one of the day because like we we could tell the kids were getting real tired because nap schedules are always off when you go to Disney. Okay. I shouldn't say always. Every kid is different. I have found almost all the time, our kids, the nap schedule is never on schedule. They delay their nap so hard. They wait until literally their bodies can't go anymore. And then, you know, that's it. They drop, they drop for the nap usually in the late afternoon. So I think we ended up catching the last Lion King show of the day and, whew, but it was worth it. It was worth it. And um, if you can catch the Nemo show again, totally great. It's an air conditioned facility. Um, None of us have seen the updated one. Yeah, we've but... not seen the updated one, but it's basically from what I have seen is a shortened version of the original show, which is fine. Um, I think it's a, a, a very artistically interesting show our kids really love Nemo and Dory. So, you know, for us, it's definitely a good option, but it is a, a, it can be a little bit more of a challenging show for kids if they're really not into that subject matter. So it just kind of depends. Um, and there's no inter, there's very little interaction in this show. This is like a sit and watch kind of show. Just like, like if you're on one of the, you know, one of the Disney cruises and you're going to the theater, it's the same thing, except a little bit shorter. So yeah, that's those are my must dos. Those sound fantastic, Ron. What are your must dos? Uh, I, I think we've talked a little bit about it. Flight of Passage. It is one of the most spectacular things I've done. It's unfortunately, you know, hard for some people to get into. It's not. Yes, it, not all body types, not all uh, bodies can really but fit. Into I'm a 
fairly large guy, and I have not had any problems with it. It's a little tight, but I've been managing to do it. It's, I think, almost more of a mobility issue because you kind of have to, like, you're almost like you're riding a horse or something. You have to be able to sit in that position. Mm -hmm. Um, And people compare it, oh, it's, it's just soaring over Pandora. It's so much more. The 3D effects on top of the sensory things that they give you, like you could feel the Banshee breathing beneath yeah. you. Uh, I wish the pre-shows were a little uh, shorter, but it's a good, you know, it breaks up the queue by having you have to go through multiple pre-shows. Uh, but it's one that I do say if the lightning lane isn't too much, the individual one, I would probably do. Um, I mean, if your whole party's going to wait, that's one thing. But if someone's not going to do it, it's probably best to just get the people who want to do the lightning lane, the lightning lane, and let it go from there. Uh, one of my other must-dos is the animal trails. Uh, the two main ones are uh, Gorilla Falls. I think that's what it's called. Again, they've changed the name back and forth a few times. Uh, that's the one right outside of Kilimanjaro safaris. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's still called that, yeah. Right, it was like Pangini Forest for a while. Uh, And the other one is the Maharaja Jungle Track, which is kind of behind Kali River Rapids area. Um, Both of them are fantastic. You're going to see different animals in each. One is obviously more African animals. One is more, you know... Asian, uh, Indian subcontinent animals. Uh, you're going to see tigers in one, gorillas in the other. Uh, you're going to see things you see on the safaris and things you don't. And there's also little trails everywhere you look. Like yes. walking around Dinoland, you can see, you know, crocodiles and alligators. Uh, there's otters and kangaroos and a million little yeah. things. There's a lot of little all trails, around the tree like, of life. Yeah, I was about to say that all the little trails around the tree of life are really great, especially if you know you need to have some time away from some of the crowds. Not not to say that this park feels like claustrophobic crowd wise. It's actually quite spread apart oh, very well. But if you really feel like you need to have some like a little bit more private away from the crowds, those little um, animal exhibit areas right around the tree of life are are really great because they don't get super crowded. And they're a lot of them are almost super shaded. So like, it's kind of hard to sometimes find a shady spot to sit. So you can kind of seek some shelter there. And another one like is the Oasis, like the entryway to this mm-hmm. park, which is kind of main street. Everybody just rushes through, but there are some great little animal exhibits up front. And in the, you know, mid-morning, early afternoon, it's when people aren't coming and going into the park, it's actually pretty dense, uh, you know, trees around it. So you're going to have a little bit of shade and it's going to be less crowded. So that's a great time to go and do those trails is right in the middle of the day when everything is super busy. So don't discount it. You know, I could see this at my normal zoo. Yeah, you can see a lot of these animals at your normal zoo, but I unless you're like going to San Diego, DC, or like Bronx Zoo, most like local zoos don't have the variety of animals you're gonna see yeah. between all these trails and safari. Or, or in such vast exhibits. Like yeah. the, the yeah. actual like the money that they've put into these exhibits is really you can see it it's it's quality yeah it's funny you say that Rachel I was I'm glad you mentioned that because that's kind of what I was sort of commenting on when I explained about like my reasoning why I kind of like to slow down when I first get to this park because they really take a lot of they took a lot of detail and really put that into the animal exhibits and there's there's so many little hidden things. Like every time you go back, there's things you've never seen before. And, and you know, when you look at some of these exhibits, it's not just practical function safety for the animals. It's also, a it's beautiful space that they can have as their sanctuary. And very natural. Yes. Everywhere. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, they went way above and beyond what I think many zoos would typically do. Um, you know, but again, you know, and this is what we expect. I expect Disney to use their art to in this way, you know. Um, but 
but and they do a really great job again this is why like this particular part i just i find it so beautiful they did such a great job in blending that fantastical art experience that they have and blending it into a practical experience for me as a guest and i'm actually what i put down for my third one was everest but i kind of meant the cue and i'm going to include other cues in this don't try and rush past the cues keep an eye on what's going on in all the cues in this park and that's kind of one of the things i'm going to i'm going to say with my must do is check those details everywhere especially the cue like if as you enter everest you're going through a yeti museum and seeing the history of all these expeditions going up uh it really adds a backstory that you don't know like you don't get from the ride if you're just going for a roller coaster it's an okay roller coaster it's not the best but it's the whole experience going up to it mm -hmm. is why i put that and then you know when you're in dinosaur everybody knows about the ketchup mustard and mayo pipes above the cars but like there's science jokes and they're like you know excess void and negative time flux like the pipe there's other pipes labeled with different things and same thing when you go on like uh Kali river rapids or through the flight of passage queue you're going through the labs and going through the underground where everything is dark and lit like pandora at night seek out the details in this park uh there's so many authentic things and there's so many references mm -hmm. to to everything. So my must do is, I'm going to phrase it as, take it slow and look around you, not just at the animals. The scavenger hunt. The, the scavenger hunt is great, great for it. For that. Mm -hmm. Those are awesome, Ron. I love it. Rachel, what about you? So, you know, I kind of have to laugh, Laurel, because earlier you said that you don't feel like you hold much nostalgia uh, or like childhood nostalgia for Animal Kingdom because of the age that we were when Animal Kingdom uh, became, uh, you know, available to us. And to be honest, I actually do hold nostalgia to Animal Kingdom. I think because... What, what, what's your nostalgia for it? What is so, it? well, my, my nostalgia actually is there because I feel like the time that we did go to Animal Kingdom for the first couple of times... I, it was such an impressionable time period of my life. So the things that I do hold very much nostalgia for, these are like two of my must-dos, which is it's tough to be a bug and uh, and dinosaur. Um, I absolutely love doing tough to, it's tough to be a bug because one, I, I'm a huge Pixar fan. So ultimately I'm always going to be like into anything that's absolutely Pixar and for me, that was actually one of the first experiences I had in a ride, per se, that was a truly Pixar-feeling mm -hmm. attraction. I mean, this was like, you know, before the, you know, before some of the things opened up at Magic Kingdom, It's Tough to Be a Bug was one of the first true Pixar experiences in... I think might it, be the first Pixar ride. I was about ride. to say that. I'm absolutely for, certain. Well, it's not a ride, but it's the first Pixar experience that existed in any of the parks. Well, yeah. and, and I'm but that's but that's why I hold nostalgia yeah. for it because it before the movie did. That's right, and it's the second movie. So really, the only thing that could have existed before might have been Toy Story stuff. Yeah, yeah. So well, yeah. Stuff like that, but there was no. Yeah, like a full blown experience. Yeah. I see what you're saying, Rachel. Wow, I like that. Yeah. But yes, that's why I that's why I personally hold a lot of nostalgia for it because I remember going on that experience for the first time. And at the time, it was something truly original. I mean, we're talking like true imagination of Walt Disney here. He was like, I want to he wanted things to be like truly inventive and creative and having all of your senses. Uh, being amazed at the same time and that's what that's what that is it's a 3d show but it's also 4d because there's lots of different visual and physical things that occur during your experience now i also remember being really scared the first the first time uh we did that show too because it did kind of freak me out there's a section with some bugs i won't get into but obviously it's tough to be a bug but uh you know i i still hold a lot of personal 
uh, love for that uh, show, but I also really love the queue since you Ron brought up the, the queue. Well. I love I love going in the queue waiting for that show because it's a lovely dark little passageway. So you do kind of feel like an ant <laughs> walking through all of the um I guess what what do you call it? It's, it's well, there's there's the movie posters. They yeah, have the, the, uh, the that are all yeah the fake like, posters yeah yes. the, yes. the yes. posters. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Yes, and, and they're, they're I think. yeah, but they have like the music, but so like the music loop in there is like the soundtrack songs that would be in these fake movies. So oh yes, like yes, they exactly sing the beast song, but with the bee buzzing sound. Well, <laughs> and again one of the more creative work like ride cues I feel like I've ever experienced and it's not even a ride it's just a show and it, it's just you could see that the people who worked on that experience really put their heart and soul <laughs> into creating a, a truly immersive experience um, and that to me I think was probably my earliest experience where I I think was understanding for the first time what Disney really could be, which is having a really immersive experience uh, that also is really fun and iconic. And, and that, that, that's why I love it's tough to be a bug. And, and sure, I'm sure there are a lot of people who would scoff at it and probably walk past it and be like, whatever, I'm not interested in that. You're missing out people absolutely missing out because it is a true gem and i think it's a very underrated experience and i think that honestly everybody should do it at least once in their life it, it hits all the that's a 10 on the disney cheese factor i love it but i actually don't think i've done it in like 10 years so i on our last trip i took andy by myself i think ron was rushing back to pandora to go get flight of passage or maybe that was you were the, in line, and I decided to take Andy to go see it. That was yes, I went in line for that. We were going to do a child swap on. Yeah, but then I changed my mind I, again. I, I don't need to go on it for me. Yeah. But in any case, Andy and I went, and it was her first time. And I will tell you this: she she was scared, but you know what? She was also brave, and she was also intrigued and inquisitive. And you know, and during the scary parts, she just sat on my lap. You know. And she just she just wanted to see it all, you know. Yeah. And also be scared, you know. <laughs> so Fitz really loved it. Um, the when we did it last time, the only he did get a little scared when Hopper came out, you know. Yeah. Obviously, when the bad guy comes in, the kids always tend to get a little a little yeah. freaked out. <laughs> um. So, but of course, the other one of my other must dos is dinosaur. Again, another ride for me that holds a lot of nostalgia because, um. I remember that ride for me being one of the first rides that I got to have, I guess what you would call like my own personal teen tween, um, like alone experience where um, we went to Animal Kingdom without our parents because we were on a school trip. And I, for some reason, still hold a lot of nostalgia for that particular ride because I remember really enjoying going on that ride with my friends. And that, that I, I even have ride photos that I still love, you know, to look at once in a while <laughs> to this day, just because I hold a lot of cherished memories from that particular trip of going uh, to these theme parks without our parents, which I will say, I think as a kid, uh, in your youth, that's kind of like a big deal. Okay. Uh, going to, going to the theme parks right without your parents for the first time, that that's, that is something special. Uh, and, and that was, that's why I hold some nostalgia for dinosaur as well. Um, but for me, of course, my, my last must do, uh, is the finding Nemo show. But again, that shouldn't be shocking. Again, I'm a huge Pixar fan. So for me, Finding Nemo is just one of the few shows at Disney that I think still exists that allows me um, to still have some of the feels, uh, meaning that I go into the show and I, I, I'm super happy, but I get into those moments where I could totally like, you know, have a good cry. But that's what Pixar stories do for you is that they bring you up and down. It's a roller coaster and, and I'm I'm here for it every time. I, I uh, love 
remember when Ron saw that show for the first time and I looked over and he had he was he had a couple of little you know little tears you know and Lion King's a great show but it's not it doesn't do that for me um I I think I still hold a little bit more of a flame if you will uh for for Finding Nemo Um, celebration and like and there's a lot of fun in this celebration but I think like you said there's like a an emotional connection with a show I mean I was going to say, Dinosaur used to be on our must-dos, too, until there was an incident uh, (laughs) a couple trips ago where Uh, Laurel's glasses flew off of her face on the ride. Uh, We were child-swapping, so... This was during the pandemic when you had to wear your mask on all of the rides, and, you know, that particular ride is extremely dark, and it was hot, and I was sweaty, and um, I had um, plastic rim um frames at the time and for whatever reason the combination of the slickness from from my straps of my mask and the and then my glasses and that ride's a very jolty bumpy ride they just flew right off and because it was dark I couldn't like just try to catch them or like see something or you know like I didn't notice they were coming off until after they were coming off like after they were done, they were gone, never to be seen again. So I'm walking off the ride. I can't see. I won't lie. That was not the funnest experience at Disney. But, you know, lucky for me, like I did uh, also bring a secondary pair of, you know, lenses. Like I had my um, my uh, sunglasses. sunglasses, which are uh, corrective lenses. So I was able to use those for the rest of the day. And then that evening, Ron and I went to a... Um, <laughs> We found it. We found an open lens crafters that could produce a pair for me there. Yeah, which they took care of for me very quickly within a couple of hours. So like it didn't destroy my trip, but it did remind me that if I have a secondary pair of corrective glasses, I probably should just bring them with me at least on the trip because I did not on that trip. We actually we were driving down about like twenty minutes from home. I'm like, you know, oh yeah, I I have my I didn't bring a spare glass thing of glasses but i keep them in the car so i had those little like oh i forgot mine i'm like do you want to go back it's like no i'm not gonna need them i've never needed a, uh, my dad would be rolling in his grave through this conversation i've my entire life as a glasses wearer started very young in like middle school and my parents were so you know crazy about making sure i never lost my glasses well, um, you, you always have to bring your extra pair of glasses, Laurel. You can't, glasses, you can't go on trips without the extra I'll pairs be, of glasses. Rachel, do you remember dad having us wear those straps? And then we were like, we're not wearing those straps, dad. That's terrible. So then <laughs> make us put our glasses away in our purses while we were on rides. And oh, it was just oh, the 90s. And um, and then, you know, as an adult, we figured out we didn't, we never had to worry about it because our glasses never fell off during roller coasters. And Rachel... In that moment, I was. <laughs> You're like, oh no, my dad. My, my dad, dad is dad here right now. Yeah, he he me. <laughs> so, like, it was, it was one, yeah. You know, so yeah, moral of the story definitely make sure you bring an extra pair of glasses on your trip if you have them um, or contacts or like alternative corrective lenses, whatever you have. Uh, yeah. You don't want to be in a rush to try to find some kind of alternative solution for being able to see for the rest of your trip because frankly if i were to have had to just use my sunglasses for the rest of the trip that that would have been very difficult at dinner <laughs> so. for, sure, for sure uh speaking of dinner uh, laurel uh talk to us about what your uh your favorite uh food service options are at animal kingdom okay. uh meaning like what's your favorite table service what's your favorite quick service and what would be your all-time uh important must-do snack uh at animal kingdom okay i'm going to start by saying this <clears throat> choosing your food and at animal kingdom can be easy and it can be challenging so i will explain it can be challenging because there are so many 
options. There are a, a lot of different places to get different kinds of snacks. And there's a lot of variety in terms of salty and sweet, although I will say there's a lot of sweet at this park. But um, so there is that. I will say a lot of the types of items that are at this park are also at some of the other parks. So if you are having a longer trip, you know, where you're going to be going to all of the parks, you may not lean in on certain food items or certain um, snack items because you say to yourself, well, this is something special that really is just at this park. So that is where some of the challenges can come in when you're like looking at your different food and different snack types of options. But with that said, what I decided was I wanted to go with a Satula Canteen for my quick service. And the reason for this is that I'm imagining I'm probably going to do like an early lunch, you know, give or take, maybe slightly late lunch. Um, and I usually like to do some kind of plant-based or non-meat, mostly veg, something that's going to be a little bit of a lighter meal. Because for me, like that midday meal really makes a difference in terms of how I feel for the rest of my day. Um, and they have some of the best options. I mean, I I've, I've never met a person who didn't love eating at this restaurant. And I will say, even though like this is not like your traditional hot dogs, pizza kind of place, um, most people I have found who are, you know, open to exploring different things really love it. Basically, it's like a build your own bowl, like noodles or rice. You kind of go from there. But there's just so much theming. It's it's a it's total Pandora from the inside out, and they have a, a you you know you can use the mobile ordering option. They also have a, a like a, a pretty strict walk up policy just to make sure they don't like run out of tables and such for all the individuals they're looking to order. So yeah, I, I love this restaurant. I've never eaten here and not loved it. Um, I've had amazing experiences there, so I totally put that there for table service. All right. I ordinarily would not necessarily choose a table service at this park just because of like the layout of the park and it being a shorter day than other parks. But I would totally consider doing a dinner, like maybe an early dinner for the Tusker house where you can do the character meal. Um, I ordinarily myself wouldn't do like an early buffet. <laughs> just because that's a lot of food for early in the day. But this particular buffet gets amazing reviews. Everybody loves it. And there are things on this menu that are not for adventurous eaters, you know, so like your standard chicken nuggets and things like that. But then there is a lot of different things available for the lunch and dinner menu that are really, you know, a little bit more interesting in terms of palate um, and with a lot more variety, especially if you're looking for options that are uh, like, you know, more plant-based, vegan-based, things like that. Um, and there's also a lot of meats and different things too. So it's it's got something for everybody. And you can't beat the fact that all of the characters, like it's Mickey and friends, essentially, they're dressed up in their safari outfits. It's just super special. It's super fun. Uh, and uh, I just, I love it. We haven't gone in years. So I really look forward to going back sometime in this next trip, maybe. And then for snacks, all right, this is a tough one because there's so many different things. There are so many salty snacks, sweet snacks everywhere, but there's a few things to keep in mind too. Like snacks can be a challenge only because depending on the time of day you're looking to snack. Um, some places that are snack locations or quick service locations that happen to have snacks, uh, they serve breakfast items. So then you have to wait until later in the day to get those snacks so you have to kind of keep an eye out for like the timing of things uh, also some of these locations do close early like around three or four ish depending on the season or time of like or day or calendar day i should say but this is what i chose i chose the corn on the cob with the asian spice mix or excuse me the african spice mix um this is a unique spice blend that they serve at this particular park it, I think you can also get the Kamal, Mr. Kamal's fries with the same spice blend. And I think they kind of use it in other dishes throughout the park, but it's good. I, I usually am not a person that's like, oh, I'm going to go get the corn on the cob. Um, but it's like a roasted on the fire. It's sweet. It's salty. It's got all of that jam packed flavor from the uh, African spice blend. Oh, it's so, so good. And it doesn't, 
you know, it's not fried. <laughs> so, so, you know, I don't feel, um, like I, I've had, you know, I, I don't feel, you know, like my tummy is not happy with me after I have this snack. So the other snack I'm also choosing, I know this goes against the rules because we're supposed to pick one, but you can't not pick a sweet snack at this park. There's just so many <laughs> options here. I chose an alternative if I want a sweet snack, which is going to be a cookie ice cream, um, which is at the uh, same uh, at the uh, Dino Bites. Oh, I forgot to mention also, you get the corn on the cob at the Harambe Fruit Market, which is right by the Harambe Market. But I'm going over the Dino Bites to get an ice cream cookie sandwich. They have different kinds of ice cream cookie sandwiches throughout the year. Um, they have certain things that are on the menu pretty regularly, and then they kind of have specials or things that kind of come and go. Um, I've had yeah, ice cream cookies. They, do, they do get interesting seasonal options too, because yeah. you're right, they change them up. That that's one of their like signature items that they change up all year round. Exactly, exactly. And you know, at first it sounds like a deceptively simple experience, but I'll tell you, it's always delicious. I'm an ice cream person, and you know there are a lot of frozen treats at this park. I mean, there's Dole Whip options. There are, there's like Kakigori. There's also soft serve ice cream. This is a hard scooped ice cream. I think it's Hagen, I think it's Haagen-Dazs at this particular uh, restaurant, but it's so good with the warm cookies and with whatever like mix you end up getting. Some of the cookies have toppings on them. Sometimes they roll it in sprinkles. I mean, oh, I'm telling you, and it's shareable because it's pretty large and you really can't get this kind of item anyplace else unless you kind of, you know, I guess you have to special order it maybe if it's even an option, but yeah, super good. Totally gone for that. What about you, Ron? Uh, I think some people might not call this a full table service, but I'm going to go with the Nomad Lounge, which is attached to Tiffin's. But it's got a different menu. Like some places you go, the bar menu is going to be the same as the restaurant attached. But Nomad Lounge is its own thing with kind of like a tapasy menu. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the, the options do change, but I've never had anything bad there. And the drinks are fantastic. It's a full yeah. bar, good beers, good cocktails. They also have a kid's menu. They have, yeah, they have a kid's menu Yeah, for the tapas. And they you know have indoor seating and then they have nice covered outdoor seating oh yeah that unless it's a million degrees it's actually not it's shaded so it's not well, bad they have like those really comfy seats They're yeah like outdoor lounge seats and you can if you're on an outdoor spot which i totally would recommend especially if it's nap time for the kiddos um there is like a little waterway right there where sometimes they have the uh pop-up like little boats with the characters that come along there so that can be that can be pretty fun um yeah, I would totally recommend uh, Nomad Lounge as a sit-down. And I'm fairly certain my picky eater would probably find something on the menu there. Yeah, I mean, I uh, last time we were there, we had a group of people ordered a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. And everything everything I've ever had there is great. Uh, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of good table service restaurants. And then there's Rainforest Cafe. <laughs> uh but you know so it's hard to pick one though. so i picked this because it's a little different and it doesn't take up the time and you don't always need a reservation you can make a walk-up waitlist thing on the app or talk to somebody to do that so you don't yeah. need the reservation um it also doesn't carry the same price tag as it does with its sister restaurant tiffin's yeah, so you know it, and and while i think we can all agree that tiffin's is a what probably one of the best uh restaurant experiences you'll ever have in a theme park when it comes to high quality fine dining in a theme park mm -hmm. uh, it tiffins is not the kind of place that you want to go to all the time although my husband would disagree he would say oh no we go to tiffins all yeah, the time I can see um, but, like, but that's I bring kids there too like yeah yeah <laughs> I think Nomad Lounge has a little bit better of a of a family vibe because I think that kids may get a little uh, uncomfortable in the Tiffin setting, whereas at Nomad Nomad Lounge is a little bit more laid back and a little more relaxed, so you kind of don't have to worry as much about the kiddos running around uh, or you know getting antsy. <laughs> so, um, uh, but those those sound that sounds fantastic, Ron. What else? Uh. 
my counter service is a place I haven't eaten at in a long time because we've gone to Satuli a lot. I think like <laughs> four of the last five trips where we've had a counter service meal was probably there. But Flame Tree Barbecue, uh, it's theme park barbecue, but it's not bad. I think the size of the meals you get for the money yeah. is a really good deal. Uh, you can, It's outside seating, covered at least, which I think is a difference between this and a lot of the outside seating over at the studios. I think at least here they covered all of it and at least have fans. It's hot, but not ridiculous because you, you're not in the sun. And there's, you know, everywhere you look is something beautiful to see at this park. So sitting yeah. outside and enjoying that uh, is good. You, I mean, the, uh, the I think it's a rib and chicken combo that you mm -hmm. can get there is like enough for two people. And it's like, you know, 18 bucks, like two and people can have, eat a full meal. Yeah, they have a number of different kinds of sides as well. So like if you're a person who's just clearly not going to eat um, like those entrees, like they have lots of different sides options. Also, I was looking at some information about this restaurant a while back uh, or recently, and I guess I never realized what the artwork was in that restaurant, but there's like this subtle theme of like... It's all predators. Predators, yes. <laughs> That's what I was trying to get. So Yeah, so there's this predator theme uh, in the artwork in that restaurant, and it's so, so subtle. But like there's, for instance, like an alligator eating a fish or something. And then there's like a tiger eating, I don't know, some kind of animal or maybe it's a lion or something. But there's like this whole predator thing going on. So next time you're in there, like definitely check that out <laughs> in the wall art. <laughs> and then for my snack, this one's kind of one of the cult following, which I picked a lot of my snacks are the cult following ones because... I've been going for a long time, and these things... Yeah, if they're good, they're good. They're good. Uh, is the Lumpia over at Pongu Pongu in uh, World of Avatar. Uh, it is a pineapple and cream cheese egg roll, basically. Like, it's like a blitz. Roll. Like yeah. a fried blintz is what it yeah, is. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like a phyllo dough blintz. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's really good. It's... I liked it better when it was twice as much for the money when they gave you two of them and we could split them. But it's a good snack and you can get a uh, couple of the specialty beers and specialty drinks at the same place. Uh, the rum blossom's really good. Yeah, I was gonna say you get yourself a night blossom or a rum blossom. The night I blossom's mean, a truly unique drink that they really don't have anyplace else just because of the flavor mix that goes into it. And I talked about, you know, I like to rope drop Dawa Bar, but last time uh, I was getting the Lumpia at like 8.45 in the morning. I don't, the park wasn't even fully open yet. It was still just for early entry guests. And the guy in front of me was double fisting the rum blossoms at 8, 8 30 in the morning or whatever it was and i'm like you you know what way to way do to do it if you want to do it that way but nice. it's a good fruity tropical drink which this park is just as good as like the polynesian for yeah there's a lot of really delicious fruity drinks here like there's there's a lot of hidden alcoholic beverage gems at this park you could spend the day bar hopping at this park <laughs> and, and enjoying it <laughs> i'm not usually a cocktail guy i'm usually like a craft beer or like a good rum or good scotch on the rocks i'm not a cocktail like guy but this park i think there are some great cocktails for that uh here dawa uh, yeah bar like, drink walla yeah and even you know what Nomad Lo Nomad Lounge and Tiffins also have some really yeah. probably some of the more interesting cocktails because of the nature of their menus. There's and also also multiple places to get alcoholic coffee drinks too. And even Rainforest Cafe as like yeah, they have a little bar in there. Yeah, as as I was gonna say, it's as much as bar. it feels like a cheesecake factory with animatronics, which was what the menu really is there, which means it's good for a big family, but the bar has always been decent, and they even have, you know, over at Disney Springs location, they have the Lava Lounge. So there's out, like, they specialize in cocktails. Right. So, yeah, there's a lot of good places to get a drink, but I really do think the Lumpia and a Rum Blossom combo 
is a way to go. Love it. Rachel, you go next. Well, so you know me, I, I try to always do something I haven't done before when I go to the theme parks. Um, you know, I, I would totally go to Tiffin's uh, as like my my restaurant of choice every single time, but that but that's no fun. You know, I gotta I gotta branch out. So someplace I've been actually trying to go for quite a long time, but just it just never end up having time to do uh, is is actually going to Yak and Yeti and doing their sit down service, the sit down table service. Um, I. I see so many people post pictures of the food from Yak and Yeti. And immediately every time I'm always so intrigued because it looks so simple because of what they're, what obviously what type of, of food that they're serving there. But at the same time, it looks so unique. At the, so that's why I'm like, I, I don't understand how they've been able to make what appears to be different forms of pan-asian style dishes and made them look new and inviting so so um they've got a big variety of different yes too. yes and i think that's what i'm so intrigued by is the variety um like I, earlier today I, again somebody was posting pictures of their um uh, of, of their nachos that they got at yak and yeti but of course it's basically like an ahi tuna uh nachos so it's basically almost like you get like a poke bowl and then throw it on nachos so i'm like oh my gosh that looks so delicious there was so, a disney food podcast i used to listen to pre-pandemic i don't know if they exist anymore and it was a couple like culinary people who talked about they would just go on their trips i forgot the name of the show i haven't listened to it in what four years now but those ahi tuna nachos was like their first thing they would get to disney world go to animal kingdom and get those nachos <laughs> yes so like clearly like it's a it's a thing and they're still on the menu because clearly they're popular um for me the quick service would actually be another place that has uh eluded me every time i i go to animal kingdom and that's because the hours are very bizarre uh not to be punny i guess of the little food stands uh which one basically is eight spoon cafe so there are a couple of different food carts at Animal Kingdom that serve, again, some very interesting, unique items, but the hours are usually minimal. So you have to make sure that you are in the area uh, to, to get there during the few hours that they're actually open. Mm -hmm. But Eight Spoon Cafe does mac and cheese bowls, and I am obsessed with mac and cheese. It's like my number one comfort food item, and I will eat anything that they put on mac and cheese. Um, and so I've really been wanting to try a spoon cafe, but I've just never seemed to be over there at the right time with the right during their hours. Haven't we run? Yeah. I actually was considering that for my snack because we've gotten the pulled pork and it's not a huge portion. Like you, can, definitely, you like, can have it for lunch, but if like two people split it, it's more of a snack, which yeah. is a lot of our snacks are entrees that we like, a la carte entrees that we split. That's true. That does happen from time to time. It's delicious, Rachel. You yeah, it, 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 hence why it's been on my list for so long. Um, and then the snack I would like to try uh, maybe the next time that we go would have to be the churros at Nomad Lounge. Ooh, so um, I I realized that that's technically I'd have to like get it, get into the Nomad Lounge to even get this snack, but I'm I'm definitely interested in trying. <laughs> I'm trying to get in. Um, I feel like we actually did order the churros last time. And I think maybe I didn't even get to eat them because I feel like my husband ate them all before I even got to try them. Um, well, they're delicious as well and definitely worth it. You know, the difference between their churros and like the standard that you would get like at a like at one of the carts or something at uh, Magic Kingdom is that they're fresh and they're like like instead of being like the giant long churro, it's almost like it's cut in half or even in thirds. So it's super easy to share. Oh, and they come with dipping sauces. Yes. Dipping sauce. Keep it fresh. Keep it yes. interesting. You get yourself an alcoholic coffee beverage. You could dunk your churro in it. No cafe. Uh, 
I guess so. That's it, right? We're we're wrapping up Animal Kingdom here. Yeah. Do you want any closing remarks or anything else we didn't really talk about? Because there's just so much awesome stuff here. It's a great park that I think a lot of people call a half day park, and I think that's doing it a disservice. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have a night show, particularly right now. Sometimes they have the uh, uh, comes to life. I forget what the name of it is. Uh, oh, like the, the projection. They have projections yeah. when the park is open after dark. Well, with most of the animals going to sleep before it gets dark, dark in the summer they don't stay open late enough to do that. Even if they're open till eight nine o'clock, it's not late enough for that. So in the fall and winter and spring. Uh, you can see that, but people don't stay because of that reason. And people discount those animal trails and the oasis and all these little things that yeah. make this park so special. You could totally do a full day at this park. and You could get pretty much most of the things, if not all the things you want to get done, done. Um, as long as, you know, there aren't shutdowns and things like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would totally do a full day at this park. All right, so that's it. I think uh, next week we're going to uh, take a little break from Disney World and uh, head out to sea and uh, talk about uh, Disney Cruise Line. Yes. <laughs> uh, so we look forward to seeing you then. Uh, and our travel agent sponsors, uh, TTA Vacations, can help you book Disney World, Disney Cruise Line, Disneyland, other cruise lines as well. You know, like Royal Caribbean is always a great family option as well. So if you have any interest in any of those, please contact us at ttavacations at gmail.com. If you have any comments on the show, mousepurts at gmail.com. Uh, and on behalf of my co-hosts, uh, Rachel and Laurel, I'm Ron. And have a good night. Thank you. Thank you. See you real soon.